Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. M.S.W. Media. Hey all, it's Dan. And before we get into the exciting episode featuring actor Colin Donnell and whiskey expert Paul Packelt, I want to tell you about a couple upcoming appearances. On Tuesday, December 8th, I will be hosting Flaviar's Nightcap Live on Flaviar's YouTube channel with Glenn Big Baby Davis. That's former NBA star Glenn Big Baby Davis. We're going to be drinking rum Tuesday, December 8th. Live on Flaviar's YouTube channel, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm also appearing on Truth and Tunes with Peely Montilla on Dash Radio. Go to dashradio.com. The show will premiere Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. That's Wednesday, the 9th of December, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. It'll re-air Thursday at 9 a.m., Saturday at 10 a.m., and then next Monday, the 14th, at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Dash Radio. Truth and Tunes with Peely Montilla. I'm the guest on that show. Thursday, December 10th, I'm a guest on the Wait What? podcast with my friend James Sablin, who goes by the moniker Ghetto Genius. That's Wait What? That episode drops Thursday, December 10th. It's available wherever podcast stream. Finally, I'll be on the Adam Carolla show doing my regular monthly gig on there. We're going to be doing a holiday drinks segment on the Corolla show. That's Monday, December 14th, and that's available everywhere, of course. And finally, I got a product I want to tell you about, and I just want to let you know right up front, this is not a paid endorsement. It's just a product that I came across that I love so much, and I know it's the holiday season, so if you're looking for a gift for the mixologist in your life, whether they're a pro or an amateur, it's a Boston shaker made from American steel in an American factory with American hands. This is a throwback. It's like something you'd find in a vintage shop. It is the sturdiest Boston shaker I've ever come across. It's built to outlive me. That's for sure. Outlive you. And again, not a paid endorsement. I just love it. It's from C&D Tools. That's an American-made company. Go to cdtoolsusa.com. It is simply my new favorite Boston shaker, cdtoolsusa.com. There's a little holiday gift tip from me to you. And now, on to the show. This is Colin Donnell, and someday I hope to play Mark Mayer. <laughs> I'm not drunk, I swear. I'm glad you're recording all this. All right, this is Colin Donnell, and someday I hope to play Dan Dunn in the film adaptation of this podcast. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. (laughs) Welcome to the show, and I gotta say, I am I'm ebullient, ebullient. Whatever that word is, I can spell it. It's E-B-U-L-L-I-E-N-T. That's what I am. Because normally, as you know, regular listeners of the show, I'm by myself when I come out here. And then we have a guest come on later. But today, in the spirit of the holidays and togetherness and the fact that I haven't seen another human being in quite some time, I've invited a, a guest host a guest host along. He is an actor, a musician, a frequent uh, uh, guest on this show, and now I'm upgrading him now to to uh, uh, East Coast co-host. He's our East Coast co-host now. I've just elevated him to that position. But above all, he's a great drinking buddy. And a warm welcome back to the show, my friend Colin Donnell. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me here. And I like this new title, honestly. East Coast co-host. Yeah, it makes me... F- 
feel some, like, I feel drunk on power right now. <laughs> you should be, uh, because we're not going to get drunk on this, but we are going to drink what we have today, and, and I'm excited. It's it's called Jacob's Pardon. Uh, it's a it's a new whiskey that's out, and in just a little bit, uh, Paul, Paul Packelt's going to be joining us. Paul is one of the leading experts on spirits that's ever lived, and he also happens to be the master blender on this spirit. But here, man, let's get a little chiching. Here we go. Ching. Chin-chin. Let's have a little drink. So what we're yes. what we're drinking right now is the Jacob's Pardon Small Batch, eight years. Okay, so let's take a little sip of that puppy. Mmm. Ooh. That's good juice. Hyatt, yeah, it is. Right? So we're going to get into that with Paul in just a few minutes, but I want to find out what you've been up to, man. It's been a few months since you've been on the show. How are things? How are you doing during pandemic time? What's going on um, with you? You know, we're getting into the holidays here now. I mean, we're we're deep into them now. Thanksgiving just happened, and, and Christmas is coming up soon, and we're fine. I'm still a dad. That's good. That's great. Yes, you. Um, Colin had a, a baby very recently. Well, he didn't have the baby. I mean, I didn't have the baby. It would have been interesting. Had wife had the baby, Patty. And uh, how is the baby doing? Baby's doing really well. Um, you know, I, I I think since maybe the last time I was on the show, we like sort of let it loose out in the world that uh, our daughter had heart surgery um, a couple of months ago. So, uh, and it's been amazing. She's she's like recovering and and doing all sorts of new things every day. We went to our pediatrician and he was like, "You're entering into what I like to call like prime baby trick world." And it's true. Like she's like doing all these flips and things like this. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, oh. like she's full doing like Simone Biles tumbling passes now. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, no, she's like you know she's she's laughing more and she's. She can hold her head up now, so she like sits on my lap and looks at me and and laughs at me, which I think is good. It is definitely good. It makes me it like warms that little tiny hole in my heart. Well, it's 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 such a great you know. Colin and I are friends off the air, and we've talked, and I and you know, let's face it, it was a uh, you never really betrayed too much, but I could tell there was certainly some nerves going into the surgery, and and of course there were, and. And, uh, man, to have, to have her come through the way she has, I, I follow on the social media and she just looks amazing and I'm so happy for you guys, man. It's, it's, you know, in a year where there hasn't been a lot of great news, that's, that's some of the best news that we could have, could have gotten. Yeah. She's been a, a, an unbelievably bright spot in an otherwise pretty dark year. Um, and we are, and thank you, man. I know you've, you've sort of been there from the first time that I was on the show and from the first time we started talking to now, like you've sort of experienced it all with us. And, uh, it, it was, it was a very scary time and it was nice to have people out there to talk to and sort of unleash worries on aside from Patty. And believe me, we definitely did that ourselves, but we, we each needed to have other people that we could sort of, you know, let the shit storm fly uh, so that, you know, we weren't just bearing it all ourselves. So thanks for that. And we had a couple of, we had a couple of drinking night and you're welcome, of course. And we had a couple of times we just threw back some drinks because every once in a while you need that, right? When you're, yeah. you know, whether, whether you're going through something or not, but um What's going on there, buddy? You got a you in a you're in a panic room or something? What's happening? I am. This is <laughs> I've not seen this before. You're like in a padded room. No, I knew I eventually like to be in a different you would end location. up in a padded room, but I didn't realize it would be on my show. Ah, uh, no. This is our this is our little vocal booth. We have a vocal isolation booth in our home now. Uh, we originally bought it because Patty was doing some audiobooks, uh, narrating some audiobooks. And, and Patty, they, when we say Patty, Patty Urine is is Pat is uh, Colin's wife, and she's a a huge star on Broadway. Uh, you're a semi star on Broadway, but she's a huge star on Broadway. No, you're both big she, stars on Broadway, but she uh, she can sing, right? She can sing. She can act. She can do the whole nine yards. She's amazing. She was uh, for those of you who are listening that don't know, she was Princess Anna. In uh, Frozen, the musical on Broadway, uh, the original Princess Anna. So, yeah, she's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's a, uh, a very talented family you have there. You've got yeah. you and your no, wife and your and your like... infant baby doing backflips. Uh, yes, yeah, right. yeah, it's incredible. I 
I grew up with a very unskilled, untalented family. In fact, I I'm the best there is, and that you know that's not saying much. So, um, yeah, man, you have a guitar for show on your wall. I do. Well, that's a right behind me. Anybody's watching on Instagram on the video there. That's a guitar signed by all the members of Stone Temple Pilots. God, and as you can see, I'm, I've done awesome. nothing to protect it. The, the signatures are fading. I mean, I'm a moron, but it's just hanging oh, up on the wall. Really? I'm, I'm going to do something later. I'm going to get that thing fixed. Now, I want to say, Colin, because this is going to tie into when we talked to Paul in a little bit. The other day, Saturday, December 5th, as you know, was National Repeal Day. Okay? Mm. Big, big day. And for those of you who don't know, what is Repeal Day? So the, one of the darkest times... This is a very dark time, but there was also a very dark time that lasted 13 years back in the early part of the 20th century called, oh, it's hard to say, Prohibition. Yes, we were not allowed, we we're not allowed to drink during Prohibition. Uh, Congress passed something called the 18th Amendment, and they ratified that on January 16th, 1919, and then they passed a law called the Volstead Act, which enforced it, and that thing stayed into effect until December 5th, 1933, when the 21st Amendment was ratified, which hereby repealed, repealed day, repealed the 18th Amendment. So Saturday was repeal day, the annual celebration of the end of Prohibition. How did you celebrate repeal day? I uh, celebrated by popping open a bottle. Um, I this is this is not the first time that I have opened this uh, Jacob's Pardon that we're drinking right now. I figured since there is such an interesting story to go along with it, I would sort of salute, uh, you know, uh, tip a hat, give a nod. What are some other metaphors for that? <laughs> um, anyway, call, call I opened a taxi. the bottle. Yeah. Uh, I opened hand the bottle. Hand Shandy? And no, Hand, hand Shandy. No, that's a different thing. Oh, different show. I was on a uh, uh, show for Playboy the other day. Uh, go uh, ahead. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I uh, yeah, I, I opened up the bottle and poured myself a little drink. A, a wee dram? What we, we dram. Yeah. Well, it's it's such it's such good juice, and I am excited to talk to Paul about it. But yeah. I also want to know how's the, you got a record out now? How's that going? Got a record out. It's doing very well. Um, you know, the other day, Spotify. You know, everybody's been doing their Spotify year in review twenty twenty on Instagrams and all those things. So you know, we uh, some people have listened to it all across the world, actually. Which is name name the record again, please. Uh, so the 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 band is our 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 band is called the 1920, and we have uh, our first uh, EP is called Chaos and Cocktails. Very fitting for this show. Yes, uh, and we in fact are about to release, and it's available right now on our Bandcamp. Uh, and actually, maybe by now, um, we have released our first original Christmas tune. As this well. show we is airing on the eighth, I believe, December eighth. First, I have no math. Look at us. Look at these are two geniuses out. here. Look at I know, right? Uh, no, I'm gonna. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna start over. That was terrible. <laughs> Let's have some whiskey. Here we go. Let's yep. reset. Here we go. A little bit of little Jacob's <laughs> pardon. Here we go. Mm. By the way, this one right here that we're drinking, ninety bucks a bottle. It's the good stuff. But mm -hmm. what we're going to have subsequently. Even higher up the uh, the economic ladder, but also I would suspect you know a little bit more complexity. Not that this thing isn't great. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of this. And you and I have we've had a, a bunch of whiskey together. We've drank, we've tried all different kinds. And I got to say, this is this is one of the best tipples I've shared with you. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we've had our we, we definitely have had our fair share. Uh, but this is delicious, and it's like you know it's sort of belies for for the abv and you know for it you know it's pretty powerful stuff 97 97.1 proof now let's see how your math is what is the uh if 97.1 proof what's the abv that would be just over 48 and a half 48 damn it 97 divide by two well two, 45 times two is 90 right yeah and then Eight and eight. Oh, you got it right. You got it right. All right. Look it's at on. You. It's on the bottle, man. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, then, oh yeah, there it is. Forty-eight. 
<laughs> cheater. You're a cheater. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, good. one of us is smart here. Well, this is why you've been elevated to uh, East Coast co-host because you're- That's you know, right. I am, I'm expecting big things out of you with the interview with Paul. I, I, I see you sort of as a- well, I did, and now I'm starting to realize you're probably smarter than me. I, I saw you as a proxy for the audience in this interview, and, and if it goes well, <clears throat> you know, maybe you, maybe this could work out. Maybe get you a little bit, a uh, little bit more work here on the show. We'll see how well, it goes. Please, um, the work is hard to come by these days, Dan. It is. So. It is. so let's, with that in mind, I, I want to yeah. get into these other whiskeys. Let's take a quick break, a very quick break here from our sponsors. And by the way, I, I should say this to you. I, I know. This is the part where you go, oh, let me, where's the 30 second ahead? Let's skip through. But I will encourage you, ask you, you know, listen, our sponsors have some good offers they're putting out there and they help keep the show going. And if you need undies, well, me undies has a deal for you. Hey, let me ask you something. What kind of underwear are you wearing right now? Does it feel like you're sitting in a heaven cloud? No? Well, maybe it's time for a change. Imagine how much more badass you'd feel right now if your undies were covered in pandas or sushi rolls. Mine are, because I wear me undies, which offers classic colors to ridiculous prints. Also, you can fully express yourself in your own unique way. Speaking of which, Me Undies Gives is an initiative that supports those who have systemic barriers to their self-expression. By shopping Me Undies, you support causes such as LGBTQ plus communities, mental health and well-being, and women's rights. And Me Undies has a great offer for my listeners. Any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. Go to MeUndies.com/drinking. That's MeUndies.com. Slash drinking. Me undies believes you and your butt deserve comfort inside and out. And me, well, I just like saying the word butt. And happy holidays to you, my friend. There you go. Welcome back. And uh, Colin, are you going to go out and get some me undies? I could see you in a pair of me undies. They're the one. They, they have all those like really like awesome designs and yeah, they put like matching ones with your partner, elephants and... on there, and sushi rolls and things like that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I told you, I told you you were going to add some class, Paul. I'm going to have, yeah, exactly. So speaking of that, who's with us? He has been, he's been called an all-knowing spiritus oracle, a J.D. Powers of liquor in Bibe magazine. He is the, uh, recently he was the publisher and editor of, of F. Paul Packolt's Spirit Journal. Anybody in the industry knows the Spirit Journal. It is a, a foundational publication in the world of adult beverages and as i mentioned earlier he also is the master blender for jacob's pardon please welcome to the show paul packle paul how are you yes there's a clapping guys thank you so much it's so nice for you to have me and it's great to see you both yeah man Likewise. good to see you where are you where are you coming to us from paul uh hudson valley new york oh my gosh oh, we're coming. right around the corner from me <laughs> Just ninety miles north of Manhattan, Colin. So I mean, we're we're we're, 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 we're just about sixty miles north of Manhattan. So you're just a little further up than us. Yeah, look at that. Well, I'm in, I'm in California, nowhere near well, either of you. Fortunately, no. two of the three on this episode are in their right mind. Yeah, there we go, uh, Paul. The Jacobs pardon, as you yes. can tell, uh, Colin and I have already getting gotten into it here with the. Uh, with the uh, the small batch, tell us how the, we you know I, I teased it a little bit with prohibition. Tell us about the history of this brand and the name Jacobs Pardon. Is it ties in directly to what happened here and and during prohibition? Well, one of the uh, I, actually, I need to preface this a little bit, Dan and Colin, by just saying, uh, for years I've been consulting to booze companies. I mean the the huge companies and as well as the small companies, but it's always been on a silent level. I've always preferred to stay in the background. Um, this is the first time I've actually publicly come out and said I'm involved with a brand. And a large part of it is because of the story. It's such a great story. Um, as Dan, as you had, uh, given the, the, the great, uh, uh, opening to, as far as prohibition, um, 13 years of misery for the, for the country, uh, without, I'm a historian as well. In fact, I'm writing a history right now in the history of Buffalo trace distillery down in uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky. One of the best. And, uh, yeah, crazy. Um, and, uh, prohibition did, did many things, uh, none of them good. 
because prohibition bankrupted the, the U.S. Treasury. Uh, it put at least uh, 40 to 50,000 people out of work in terms of restaurants, bars, uh, distilleries, wineries, breweries. Um, Thank God that can never happen again. Thank yeah, God something well, like that can never happen again, could it? I, uh, Kidding. I, I don't think so, Dan. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I mean, what could cause something like that other than, say, a pandemic? Yeah, you know. Uh, That'll never geez, happen. No, no, that's People crazy. People also thought Donald Trump could never be elected. That's true. That's true. A lot of things have happened. But, yeah, so go – I'm sorry. I, I cut you off with my, my crude pandemic joke. But go ahead back to Prohibition <laughs> there, yeah. But probably, probably the worst thing that Prohibition did was it gave an open door to organized crime. And the, the there basically were there were several sectors of it, and over the period of 1920 to about 1925, they consolidated their effort in North America between Canada and the United States, and they became the powerhouse organization that we knew as the mafia, as organized crime syndicate, any of those names. So during the period of prohibition, of course, arrests were going left and right as police uh, were arresting distillers. Uh, Jacob Taub was a distiller. Actually, he was a rectifier, which is a guy who will buy spirits from a distillery and then make something else with it. Uh, he'll put it through another process and then make some make a spirit under his own name. He Jacob Taub got arrested. And it was towards the end of Prohibition. So when uh, Franklin Roosevelt was uh, declared president in 1932, uh, one of his promises, and I think one of the reasons why he got elected was because he said, I'm going to end Prohibition. And, uh, and thank God he did, uh, because he liked a good martini. He was a terrible uh, mixologist, by the way, but... Um, but that's beside the point. So along the way, he ended up pardoning a lot of the people who he felt were uh, erroneously uh, incarcerated for their, uh, for their practices of distillation or brewing or winemaking. Jacob was one of those. Jacob Taub was one of those people. So along the way, as the years went on, uh, his his grandson, Mark Taub, uh, found this piece of paper uh, after his own father had passed away, and on the piece of paper was the was the pardon written with Franklin D. Roosevelt's signature. Wow! And his idea was to kind of reclaim that family heritage of of being. Uh, a whiskey producer. And so that's, that's the reason for the brand, Dan. And I, I, I love the story because it, one, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of closing the circle on a family saga. You know, they're, they're coming back to honor this guy who was thrown in the slammer <laughs> and, uh, and then Franklin Roosevelt got him out. So they, they came to me and said, would you like to kind of spearhead this, this project? And so I tasted through, they had bought about 2,600 barrels of whiskey. So let me, let me, let me ask you there, Paul, when they, when you say that they went out and they purchased, so is this just, they going all over the place or they going to MGP or they, how, where are they finding this? When I say MGP, that's a, uh, that's a a giant uh, distillery operation in Indiana, where you get Indiana, right? Yeah, Indiana. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. and uh, where a lot of a lot of brands that you know purchase their liquid there. And is that what they did, or did they go to other distilleries? Sometimes they find it at at other distilleries. Where did they get the juice? Well, it's, it's a great question, Dan, because it really your question uh, comes to the heart of this whole program. And what they did was they did both what you said, part A and part B. They did buy a, a whole bunch of barrels from MGP, and those, those, those whiskeys were about 15 years old. 
and were very high percentages of corn, 99% corn. So, so, Hi. They, so they, everybody knows, and we've talked about this on the show before, Colin and I, you've talked about this, is a bourbon mm-hmm. has to be 51% corn in the mash bill, but generally – you're gonna get you're gonna get some barley in there, and you're gonna get some wheat and rye and whatnot. But ninety nine percent that's your that's gonna probably yield a pretty sweet a pretty sweet liquid, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so they they bought a bunch of barrels from MGP, which were very very high corn content, ninety nine percent corn, one percent malted barley. But then they did a really smart thing. And they bought some barrels from one of my favorite distilleries in America, guys, and that's the, the George Dickel distillery down in a little area called Cascade Hollow in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of these uh, George Dickel whiskeys for, I've been doing this for 30 years, as long as I've been doing this. So what I did was I put two parts together. I did 56 barrels of the MGP high corn whiskey with 10 barrels of the Tennessee whiskey. And it just came out so sweet. I was so pleased with it. So it had about nine different iterations. And I played around a lot with cocktails too, because I mean, people, it's not just drinking it like this, it's people like to make cocktails. So I'm Sue and I, uh, my wife and I tried them in different cocktails and it just blended so beautifully in cocktails, especially the whiskey sour and the old fashioned that I just thought this is it, and the the as as you guys pointed out the the uh, ABV is forty eight point five five, and that's just the sweet spot for this whiskey. Uh, so it ends up where it's small batch in that it's only it's only it's less than seventy barrels. Is there a legal definition? Paul for small batch. It does, is there a cutoff where they go? You're no longer small, Dan. I, I, by the way, I've never heard that before. No, no one's ever said to me no. you're no longer small. But in the whiskey business, is there a cutoff? Five thousand barrels? Is that? Can you stay your no. small batch then? You know, I myself and other other whiskey writers and journalists have been lobbying for years for the TTB, the the government agency to come up with some sort of a definition for small batch because um, let's do an example. Say that Beam Suntory, uh, a huge program uh, that makes Jim Beam, that makes Knob Creek, that makes Booker's, their idea of small batch, because there are no regulations, their idea of small batch might be a thousand barrels. And, you know, and in fairness to them, when you think that they're dealing with over 2 million friggin' barrels sure. in their warehouses, a thousand is a small batch. So in their term, in their minds, they're not wrong. It's just that it's everything's relative. To my mind, I think that the people who are making and labeling a whiskey a small batch should really do it maybe a hundred barrels or less, or maybe at most 150 barrels or less. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Colin, does that matter to you, Colin? I mean, as a consumer, if you're going out, when you see small match on a battle, on a, on a bottle, when you're out, does that, does that speak to you? Well, it adds a, it adds a certain level of premium to it, right? Like you think this was uh, an especially, you know, rarefied bottle that was created by the manufacturer. So it adds, you know, a price premium, an expectation of taste, a, you know, a care that went into the whiskey. And Paul, I like your point. Like it is, you know, when you sort of scale it up to what some of these larger, uh, uh, larger operations are doing. Yeah. A thousand barrels for them is small batch relatively, but it just doesn't put the, doesn't put the fine point on it that a, you know, 70 barrel run like you guys are doing, uh, you know, and it doesn't justify a, a, a price by them. Right. That a consumer is ultimately going to have to handle. Right. They disagree with you on that, though. Exactly. The price. I'm going to say <laughs> they that would. Yeah. I want to say Beam probably disagrees with you on what they can charge and actually what people will pay for those products. It's, well, yeah. it's true. I had a question. Paul, how did you how did you come to 56 and 10? Like what, what was Uh, it about? Is that just years of knowing what to do or what was it about those two numbers that 
spoke to you to create that? Really good question, Colin. Um, when I was given these inventories to taste through uh, the couple thousand barrels of the MGP whiskeys, and then about 600 barrels of the of Cascade Hollow, um, the, the barrels were delivered in lots, meaning that uh, I tasted through five lots of the MGP whiskeys that I thought were just fabulous and that we really needed to do something with. One of those lots, actually the cherry, the, the real cherry on the top of the cake for the MGP whiskeys was a 56 barrel lot that I chose for the small batch. Okay. And, and then the, um, the, the Dickel lots came in like 10, 12 per lot, meaning same distillation, same aging period. Uh, and they just came, it was a 10 barrel lot. So uh, okay. I married those two. Got it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how it ended up being 56 and actually 66. And I'm actually working. I've got two more coming in the pipeline. And again, those are real small lots. Uh, uh, next one probably will be um, thinking of doing 100% Tennessee whiskey, uh, which is 84% corn, 8% rye, 8% uh, barley malt. But those are small lots also. So, but the whiskeys, guys, I can't wait to come on again and, and taste those. With <laughs> I, I can't wait to do it either. Now, when you so a lot of this, and it sounds like to me, Paul is. Some of it's just timing and and luck, right? That those happen to yeah. come together at the same time, and they and they married so well, right? No question. Uh, you know, I, believe me when I say um, I take a back seat in terms of credit for these. Uh, the, the the people who I credit are the are the distillers at MGP and the distillers at at Cascade Hollow at down at George Dickel uh, for making such incredible whiskeys. I'm the beneficiary in that they've, they've been distilled well. They've been aged to prime, uh, just a prime time and apex moment in their, in their lives. Um, and I'm just the beneficiary of being able to say, oh, yeah, this is awfully damn good. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we'll do this one, but maybe it should stay in the barrel for another year. Let's see what happens. You know, so I get to play around with all these wonderful whiskeys and and create something that's so. I I, I got to tell you, in case people are wondering at home with this Jacob's pardon with the uh, with the single uh, with the small batch, the eight years. It's interesting that we're doing this at this time of year because this is evocative yeah. to me of sort of a holiday dish almost. Like there's a. Mm -hmm. It, there's a you know it it it's reminiscent. I'm not saying I'm not trying to point out specific flavors, but drinking this to me feels like sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner or holiday dinner, or Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. That's what this feels like. It's very uh, cozy and they're warm, mm -hmm. and and there's a uh, the sweetness to me kind of reminds me. Uh, I saw in the in the tasting notes that you guys sent, but it really is spot on. Is like a like a baked ham sort of. There's a savoriness and a sweetness to this, which is anybody that has a ham, you get it. You're going to get that salt and you're going to get that sweet, and that's right here in the glass. It's mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing. I was just saying to Patty that I really wanted a honey baked ham for Christmas, <laughs> so I think I just might open the bottle. Open the bottle up, and yeah. You know, and, and guys, this is uh, this is the beauty right now. I mean, I write about all spirits, uh, all categories. I consult on all categories of spirits. But I have to say right now, American whiskeys is just the sweet spot in the entire spirits category. And it's just because of stuff like this. It's just it's drinkable. Uh, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a Mensa candidate to try and, uh, figure, you know, to break down what all the different uh, characteristics. Funny, are. Paul, because I am actually. <laughs> Dan didn't even know this, but he's a genius. Yes, a genius. He knew to look on the bottle to figure you out just, how to have yeah, that proof. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, no, go ahead. No, it was just a bad joke coming down the pipe, Paul. So please continue. But can I, along those lines, Paul, I do want to ask you when you're talking about this being a sort of a golden era for whiskey, you'll notice if you look at this bottle, it says small batch American whiskey. So I think back in the day, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 
a lot of people felt like if you weren't making bourbon, you were never going to be held up to that higher in that higher echelon if it wasn't bourbon. And somewhere along the line, these smaller craft distillers said, I'm throwing the shackles off of the of the rules of bourbon making, because there are a lot of rules in order to be called a bourbon, and started making what we call in this broader category American whiskey. Can you speak a little bit to that and how the emergence of of uh, and how it's and how it's managed to become in and of itself, uh, a, you know, a very high end uh, part of the overall whiskey category in America? You know, I think you touched upon a really salient point for where we are in, in terms of American whiskey. So much of the advances, so many advances have been brought about by the craft distillers. I mean, you know, when you, when you think that just this year alone, there are over 3,000 craft distillers now. I mean, many of them right now are struggling, admittedly, because of COVID, but um, they changed the ball game completely. Uh, 20 years ago, maybe there were a dozen craft distillers in the United States, at most 20. I mean, who would you say were some of the early? I mean, it would be sort of with Stranahan's would have been up there, I guess, right? Possibly. Stranahan's would be there. I think the real pioneers, though, Dan, were uh, Ansley Cole of Jermaine Robin. Yep. Um, uh, Clear Creek up in Portland, Oregon. Okay. That was Steve McCarthy who started in the eighties. Um, who else? Oh, of course. Uh, Lance Winters and George Roof of St. George spirits. St. George. Of course. Alameda, One California. of my favorites. Those guys at tremendous cost to them were pioneers and they, they cut the pathway through the forest for everybody, all those thousands of distillers who have followed, many of them have broken the rules, as you rightly pointed out, in that they've said, okay, yeah, so bourbon is great. I mean, without question, everybody, anybody who knows spirits, you know bourbon is great. But there are other possibilities here for American whiskey. One of the fastest growing segments right now, guys, is, is single malt American whiskey. I mean, they've they've formed their own association, <laughs> so yeah. so so they so they all push each other to kind of get things right. And American whiskey is is another one of those subcategories that is coming on strong. And the good thing about American whiskey that that uh, that name that moniker is that it gives a lot of latitude as to what you can do. Going back to your point, Dan, about how strict the rules for bourbon are, there's, you know, with bourbon, you've got you've got to stick within those standards as laid out by the TTB many years ago, uh, or it's not a bourbon. So the the craft distillers really pushed the envelope. They opened up the gates to all the experimentation, all the the, the venture. Uh, the, the the spirit of adventure that that they brought to American distilling that kind of was sleeping before it was really dormant because the big companies were making money and so it didn't make any you know they didn't care they were just kind of cruising along making their money putting out the same things every year then these little craft guys come along and start coming up with these these crazy whiskeys that a lot of a lot of people like me were saying, "Wow, you know, we got to pay attention to these dudes." I mean, they they are really good at what they're doing, and yeah, you know, there's some mistakes, and you know, you call them out, but by and large, it was the spirit of adventure I think that they brought back to American distilling that, frankly, was lost for a long time. Well, and it and it also forced the bigger companies to then pivot and have to come up with a new plan, which of course was, yeah. we'll just buy all the smaller brands. <laughs> I know well, what we can do. These guys are kicking our ass. Maybe we should try doing something different in the, in the uh, distillery or we'll just buy them. We can buy them. We can buy them. Yeah. There we go. Yes. And, th- and that, and that has happened. And let's face it, a lot of, a lot of guys, and I don't, you know, a lot of the guys that did this, that was the, you know, they, that was the fruits of their labor. They got a nice big payout for this. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and who can blame them for that? I mean, I, I just think, you know, look, that's capitalism at work. I'm selling this uh, podcast. You know, the second this podcast gets big enough, 
I'm out, dude. I'm selling it. Collins, <laughs> Collins in line to purchase. this I'm thing. riding coattails. <laughs> Fuck that. I can't. I can't afford to buy it, but I can ride your coattails uh, you for a go. while. Yeah, we're gonna sell this thing, man. Uh, the East Coast, the East Coast co-host gets it. You get a little taste. <laughs> you get right. a little taste. Um, speaking of a little taste, I want to. I want to move on to the next whiskey oh, yeah. that we got here. Which one should we? we should we go with next here, Paul? Uh, I would say, Dan, let's go with barrel number twenty-three first. And that's a, um, a fifteen-year, right? Yeah, and now so everybody knows this. Oh, see, I don't know that I have. Wait, I don't know that I have that one. It's in the little. You didn't get it. Oh, right? it's in the little. Oh, you know what? I may have drank that one already. Oh, he drank it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk about it. So when just you guys can talk about it. people know this when you know we've talked this before in the show. The the age designate on the on the bottle means that's the if it says fifteen years, that means the youngest spirit. In the blend, right? That's what goes on the bottle. So there's there's probably some whiskeys in here that are older, right, Paul? Actually, Dan, in this case, because it's single barrel, it's all fifteen. Oh, the single. Oh, I didn't even see that on yeah. there. Okay, it's yeah, just okay, one barrel. It. Oh, it's just one. Oh, duh. Yeah, got it. Barrel and, number twenty-three. That's, that's why there's such a painfully stingy amount of those bottles. I mean, I think there are only like a hundred, four hundred, five bottles of that. Yeah, hundred and it says according to here it says a hundred. You did a hundred and sixty nine bottles. It's a hundred and forty one point eight proof. Wow, yeah. that's a seventy point nine percent alcohol by volume. The mash bill is ninety nine percent corn, as Paul said earlier. One percent barley malt from Indiana. Hundred and sixty nine bottles, and the cost of this is a is a crisp clean two hundos. Yeah. I think they're all sold too, guys. They're all gone. Oh man! Now how, you're feeling bad gone. that you drank yours already, Colin. Well, I, I I I still have some, but it's upstairs, and I think there might be a baby sleeping or something, mm-hmm. so I can't really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, as, as I was tasting through oh, man. the the MGP barrels, guys, uh, of the the high corn whiskeys, and there were two barrels from the lot that I thought was just great that that fifty six barrel lot. Two barrels that I just said, guys, we got to put those aside. I mean, they are so delicious that they deserve to be bottled full strength, unfiltered. Uh, and if there are a few bottles, then whoever gets them, you know, God bless them. Um, How does that happen, though, Paul? Great. How does it happen that out of 56 barrels, right? I mean, when you say, Colin, like out of 56, why? what makes those two? What happened to yeah. them? Is it where they were in the in the in the storage facility you know, or I, this is one of the things. You know, I'm 71. I've been doing this for 40 almost 40 years now. I've been writing about spirits for the last 30 years. I still don't know what the hell happens in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. I I have been to over 200 distilleries. I've talked to master blenders, I've talked to master distillers. What happens in the barrel? And it actually, the woman who told me the most was the master blender for Louis XIII cognac. I was on a tasting panel with her formulating a new formula. And I said, uh, Periette, you know, I, I'm asked this question so many times. How can one barrel be different from another one that's aged right next to it, but is from the same distillation? How could that happen? And she said, we've had scientists run tests on all of this, and it always comes back the same thing. They don't know. She said, the only thing I could tell you to tell your readers is the formula that I've come up with that is the key to what makes whiskey or what makes anything, wine, brandy, change in a barrel. And I said, so you got to tell me what that is so I could tell my readers. And she said, The formula is this, surface area to volume ratio. So how much of the inner side, the inside of the barrel, is the liquid able to touch? And when it touches it, it changes. When it touches the barrel, it changes. So that's the formula. So I said, yeah, but I'm still not, yeah, okay, I got the formula, surface area to volume ratio. And I'll say that in one of my columns, but, and she said, oh, but I forgot to add the last thing. And I said, oh, great. Okay. So I got, okay. So, so period, what's the last thing? And she said, 
it's all a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's gremlins. Gremlins. When when in doubt, just the gremlins are doing it, right, Colin? Uh, Yeah. No one's been able to give me an answer, guys, for over 30 years. I've been asking the question you just asked me. <laughs> well, so then this one, so this was just the mystery. How, how barrel number 23, uh, turn, wait, what are we doing now? We're doing third. Yeah, we're doing 23 right now. So how 23 turned out the way it did. Uh, what are you getting on? Oh, Colin, you're not. Oh, Colin already drank it. Uh, <laughs> well, I drank half of it. The other half is upstairs. I'll pretend like I'm drinking. Well, it. this again, to I me, I'm getting this. There's this that perfect blend of sweetness and spice to it. You know, there's a yeah. s- some peppercorn to it. But I, I th- when you got a 99% corn in here, I mean, it's just a a really. And when I say sweet, I, I certainly don't mean like cloyingly sweet or anything like that. I mean, it's no. it's no. just it's pleasant and and. With an alcohol uh, by volume that high, how does that happen? I, I would think I would expect to be overwhelmed, like the like just getting kicked in the teeth here by this alcohol, but it's not doing that. Why? That's why I like this one so much, as well as Barrel Thirty Seven. Um, somebody once asked me, uh, when you review things, when you give five star, you give very few five stars. This one. And barrel number 37, I'd give five stars to. I define that, and and I'm a real asshole as a critic because I'm a tough critic. And I believe, what's the point of being a critic if you're not tough? Um, I give very few five stars because to me, five stars, that's... That's a benchmark. That's that's a milestone for that particular particular category. For me, five stars is when no one element overshadows anything else it's it it's kind of like when colin gets into his lamborghini and he he, he i like the way you're talking paul and he pushes i I know it's the red one colin so (laughs) and colin pushes that button to start the engine and you just feel this little hum but you don't even hear it because all the moving parts are so beautifully intricate and in harmony and that's how I define a five-star spirit. The alcohol doesn't overshadow the acidity. The alcohol and the acidity don't overshadow the wood aging. Those three don't overshadow the pH. Everything is in harmony. And as you say, Dan, this is very high in alcohol, and yet it doesn't drink like that at all. No, it's it's it's. I mean, I hate to use the word smooth, but I'll do it because I can't think of anything yeah. else right now. By the way, Colin, do you read it's, reviews, Colin? I, I'm curious. Hey, Paul's talking about. Do you read reviews of your your performances? Is that something you no. ever get hung up on? Never. No, I I did early in my career. And, and then, uh, what's the downside? I, well, uh, the downside is that you have to. It, it's. Uh, if you believe the good, then you have to believe the bad. That's always the, I mean, that's the, that's the rule all across the board. So if you believe the good, then you read a bad one and automatically it gets stuck in the back of your head. It starts affecting future performances maybe and whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's a terrible cycle and, and somebody, uh, a, a wonderful, I won't name drop, but a wonderful. Oh, come on. It was Tyne Daly. I worked with Tyne Daly Daly. on the premiere of a Edward Albee play, on the world premiere of an Edward Albee play back in 1998. No, that's not 98. 2007 was when it was. Uh, And uh, she forbade reviews from coming backstage after the show, uh, after after we premiered. And uh, I got it. Because it was very, it, it was funny. Later on, I heard that we got overwhelmingly good reviews for the show, um, and uh, but I understood it. I understood what she what she was trying to accomplish because you really do like no matter what it affects what you're doing from that point on. Um, I had a question for you, Paul. How does something with a ninety nine percent corn uh, to malted barley ratio, how does that not, I mean, this may be a stupid question, but how does that not come out cloyingly sweet? How does, uh, like, what, what is, is, is it the wood? Is it the, is it the aging? How does that not just, because I, I, I do remember tasting this the other night and it was so well-balanced and well-rounded and so full and so 
I mean, it was, it was the first drink that I'd had in a couple of weeks. And so it was so delicious. <laughs> but um, like, how does that happen as quickly as you, you could put it? <laughs> you, you, well, no, actually, you answered your own question, Colin, just by saying the wood and the aging uh, it, with the maturation process, especially with such a high content of corn. Um, when it goes into the barrel, uh, usually the first year, 33% of the uh, 34 biochemical compounds in oak are leached out. And in the second year, 50% of those biochemical compounds are leached out. So right from the get-go, it's picking up all these different, these different fats, lipids, um, compounds like uh, epoxies, epoxies, and all of those things tend over 15 years to really round that baby out. And so it really comes down to, for this one, definitely the aging period, the fact that it was so wisely put in a very good barrel. Because mm. um, there are a lot of shit barrels out there, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but this, these barrels, one of the things, very first thing I did was inspected the barrels to see is there a lot of leakage and all that? But there wasn't. They were really tight. <clears throat> so all the, the aging period was was really, really well handled in a, in a very even way. So there weren't a lot of temperatures up and down and up and down. Uh, this, these were aged in, in um, warehouses at MGP that were air controlled so that there weren't a lot of temperature variations and that's really good for the whiskey. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, it all comes down to the aging. The aging. I got another whiskey right here. Do you have this one, Colin, by the way, do you have uh, barrel yeah. number 37? I do. Wait, let me sh- show, show me, show me your bottle. Mine's small. <laughs> oh. oh, he got a full bottle. Paul, oh, y'all were nice oh, to me. Oh my God. Come on. Being- wait. Being what? the East Coast co-host, oh, I will its... be sending off a strongly worded letter to somebody at Jacob's Pardon after this. Hold, wait, let me check this. Hold on, let me just check this. You right know, up. us, 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 Hudson Valley. Uh, you know what? The, it says 106 bottles produced, and you got one. I'm sorry. Maybe you guys weren't. I, we're, we're we're demoting you just because clearly they they're they're not. When I say the East Coast co-host, it's now East Coast sub co-host so got to put sub in there so people understand the pecking order here what we're drinking the 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 font on the instagram social media post is going to be really interesting you got a whole bottle well lucky you man this one so this one we got here is jacob's pardon 15 year old single barrel number barrel number 37 Yes, uh, and Paul's talked about it. Same thing, two hundred dollars, one hundred and thirty nine point five proof, so a little bit lower on the alcohol, just under seventy percent alcohol. Two hundred dollars a bottle. This one as well. I can tell you right off the bat the difference that I'm getting, and we've talked about that great blend of sweetness and spice here. This one's got a kind of a nuttiness to it. I'm getting a nuttiness. Am I wrong there, Paul? Bingo. That's it. Bingo. <clears throat> actually what i get in this uh, god you you're <laughs> you really you really nailed it dan i should be like a spirits writer for the rob report or something oh wait i have I, well you could yeah, um yeah. but it's i almost get like nougat or a candy bar out of it, this. it and it's funny you say that because the first when i said the nuttiness in the back of my mind the first thing i thought is sometimes i feel like a nut sometimes i don't Do you remember yeah. the commercials colin you're too young for that Oh, give me up. Almond Joy's got nuts and mouths. No, I remember. I'm not going to sing it for you because I don't want to upstage the actual host of this podcast. It's just Paul now, obviously. Exactly. (laughs) We're just sitting back. Of the three of us, only only one doesn't have a full bottle, and that's me. So I guess I know where I stand now, right? Yeah. Well, well, actually, if you you look over my shoulder, guys, Mm -hmm. right here... Yes, there are I see three them. Full bottles. So, Colin, I think uh, over the next few weeks, uh, you and I should get together and <laughs> exactly. we could crack open all yes. three in that Hudson Valley. Paul, and, and I could, have I I can offer you a very cute baby to look at. <laughs> <laughs> 
None of no, this is fair. I, I'm, I'm not like any of we, we could crack these babies open and we could call Dan and tell him how much we're enjoying. Them. <sighs> I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. Well, you know what? We'll be sure to FaceTime him so that he gets the full experience <laughs> yeah. of jealousy. Let's time it so I can get one of my other important friends to hang out with me while we're doing this. And by the way, I do want to go back. That was a thought that I had that I wanted to complete or at least get out there involving the criticism and how that impacts things. Now, I don't see that happening so much in the spirits world, but I think, Paul, we could agree here, it was incredibly prevalent in the wine industry uh, early when the emergence of Robert Parker, where large swaths of the wine world were making wine, at least this was the charge, were making wine specifically tailored to what Robert Parker liked. Because they want that was the all important rating. If Parker gave you a ninety five, you were you were golden. Is was that? Would you right. agree that? Is there been any ever been an equivalent like that in the spirits world? Besides you, I, I, my my guess would be probably my own newsletter, the Spirit Journal. That uh, if I I found out over the years, we did it for twenty eight years, and I. I would I would curiously find out that if we had given I'm just pulling it out of the air say a gin give it two stars and just say no and and then break it down in the review why you know too many botanicals the juniper is lost this just doesn't work two years later we'd get another bottle and it would be completely changed and then I'd give it a recommendation so I think that's probably the the only uh, probably the only venue I think where something comparable to Parker's has happened. Yeah, amazing to have that that much sway in the industry. Now, obviously, it's been diluted a lot as the internet has come around, and you know, it, I mean, even when I started doing this back in the day, there was you. And there was Terry Sullivan, and there was Nick Passmore, and maybe Gary and Dale, and just a handful of people. And I was the kid on the block. You know, it was like Sesame Street. One of these does not belong. It was me. But uh, <laughs> but when I started doing this, you're in, still a muppet. I know. When I started doing this in 2000, there was a really, literally a handful of, of and I say guys because that was mainly it. There weren't. There was Marty Regan was doing some stuff too, but mostly guys, and it was a small group that were essentially covering this world, and now everybody's a pundit, and I think there's something good about that in a way, that they, there's so much uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, consumer involvement, I think, as well. But uh, the days of, of one guy being able to wield that much power, I guess, are gone. Well, you know what I would liken it to, uh, Dan, is, is, is uh, the advent of easily accessible music, right? You know, back in the day, radio DJs were the were they were the tastemakers of sure. all music, and that was you know the reason why the Beatles, Elvis, everybody had the Stones. They all had so much. the The DJs had so much sway over what the like overall zeitgeist taste of music was in those eras, and there were always independent music people and independent record stores and all that things like that. But now that Spotify has sort of, you know, all the streaming services, not that they pay out to their artists, which I'm finding out for my own pennies on the dollar. (laughs) (laughs) I did. My, my, my bandmate and I today were saying that we have, we're going to have a a new single coming out and we were talking about what it's going to cost to, to put it out. This is a side tangent. I apologize, but we're (laughs) said, I said, well, you got to, you got to spend money to make pennies. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's, it's crazy. Like I think a million, a million streams translates to like a thousand dollars or something like that. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. not a joke. Like you get a million listens on Spotify, you get a thousand dollars. I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, it's all, and all was well and good until COVID came along because they'd make their money touring. And now God knows when, when are you going to go to a concert again? You know, I mean, I'm wondering when I'm going to be able to go to a whiskey tasting again. There's a famous saying in um, in the distilling industry: if you want to make a small fortune, you have to start with a large fortune. And you know, as a, as a consultant to the industry, I, I get a lot of, and it's it's I hate to say, it, but it's mostly guys in their fifties uh, who've been veterinarians for a long time or something like that, and they just they have to do something different. So they hear my name, so they call and say, "Yeah, oh, you know." 
uh, I've, I've got a little bit of money and, and I, I want to start a distillery. What do you think? And my first reaction is, you know, you're, you're out of your mind. Stay with the veterinary at practice. You'll do okay with that. Um, to start a distillery today, if the three of us started a distillery, we would need at least, at least between five to seven million, uh, just, just, just for the thought of it. And then you're not even talking about location. You're, you're just talking about basic equipment. You're not talking about a marketing program or salespeople. So it's, it's a big business. And uh, Dan, as you said earlier, a lot of the craft distillers have gotten into it to sell later on to a bigger concern. That's, that's absolutely true. That's bonkers. Well, I got to say, in terms of uh, brands that are new and that are going to make it, I think uh, Jacob's Pardon is going to be there because this is, uh, this is delicious stuff. Did you give it? Did you give this five stars, Paul? By the way? What, if you, what if you didn't give your own whiskey five stars? That would be a... That would be some three-dimensional chess right there. You know, it's a uh, this is a three-star whiskey, and uh, but it's not because I don't really like it. It's because I'm uh, I'm Irish Catholic and I hate myself. No, something like that, right? Uh, I I simply can't uh, give myself a good review, and that's my parents. Uh, yeah, no. A lot of self hatred. I'm blaming fine. my parents for this review. Uh, no, but it, what this is a uh, I'll review this for you, and and I, well, actually, we'll let the uh, East Coast sub co-host. Tell us what he thinks of, of Jacob's pardon. It's fucking good. There it is. See, that's it. You, we don't do five-star reviews here, Paul. We do it's fucking good. You got You put that in the marketing material. It's fucking good. Colin Donnell. And again, remember to put the sub in there. He's the East Coast sub co-host. <laughs> no more full bottles for you, buddy. You got to earn a full bottle. You want a full bottle, Colin? You got to earn I it, do. man. And by the way- I do. And you know what? I got- I got, I got Paul and Jacob's pardon sending me full bottles. So, you know, that's great. And Paul lives right up the road. So apparently I'm going to have access to more full bottles. Uh, what about tonight? <laughs> there they go, man. I'm t- hey, by the way, Colin, for someone who bedtime's around nine p.m. these days, Paul. <laughs> you don't like reviews, Colin? I'm just going to tell you right now. Don't listen to the next episode of this show because I will be reviewing your performance. Well, you're not having me back on. No, I well, I, I got a new. Uh, I've got a uh, lower East Coast sub uh, co-host coming on next week, and we'll be talking ah, about the job it. you've done. No, you're back on anytime you want, man. And Paul, you mentioned when are these? When are the next? When's the next round of Jacob's pardon coming along? Uh, sometime in 2021, guys. I, the the landing date is is not determined yet. Do you promise? Can real. we do Paul. this again? Can we re? And hopefully, I, I'm really yes. hoping. I, I I know it's ambitious, but. You know, one can dream here that would this be something that we could all do in person, which would be oh, phenomenal. So let's get these vaccines great. going, huh? Guys, hey, Pfizer, Mr. Pfizer, get it going, will you? I'm done. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I, but no, I, I will say this. I, this is really great for me and to get to see you guys here and to get to do this. It's something I look forward to. It's something I, I, I draw strength from. But I, I think I probably can speak for the two of you as well when I say I am really really looking forward to the day where we can all sit down together in the same room and do this, go to a distillery, walk around, get that feel, get the feel for how it's really all done and how it comes together and do it together. It's one of those well, things. Dan, you know, when uh, next year, uh, my uh, book on the buff, the history of Buffalo trace will be out. Let's uh, let's reconvene then maybe down in Frankfurt, Kentucky. I'm in Colin, you in, you know, I've got no plans. Well, you, but he does have plans. Just so everybody knows, Colin is one of the leads in the uh, in the Broadway production of Almost Famous. And, That's right. But Broadway, I think we're going to safe to assume we're not going to see any Broadway next year, right? Probably no. Well, it's, it's or not, look, not, until it, until maybe the summer. Until next year. Until next summer. Next fall. That's. That's what we're looking towards when when Broadway is going to start making its uh, its rebound, but it's going to be a little bit still. So until then, Paul, I would love to join you and Dan down in 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 uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, at Buffalo in Frankfort, Kentucky, for a little book reveal slash tour. I just want to see you at work. Hearing you talk, Paul, was so fantastic, and and hearing you talk about sampling barrels and going through lots, and it's really it's it's such fascinating you know, inside baseball work that I really want to witness myself 
So if Dan will deign me with the opportunity to continue to be the co-sub host of the show. East Coast co-sub host. You know, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, e- don't don't, e- don't go national. Coast You're not national yet, host. buddy. Yeah, you got to no, anytime. I, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I I think we're go- it's going to happen, and and I'd like to. I, I I'm getting more and more hopeful as yeah. as time goes, and and I'm I am looking forward to closing the chapter on 2020. I would caution people that when 2020 is over, it certainly doesn't mean COVID's over, and we got to be safe in the beginning of the year. But there does seem to be some uh, whiskey lighting up the end of the tunnel for us there. So I'm, I'm hoping that yeah. we're going to get to do this soon. And I want to, on that, I want to, I'm going to wrap it up. I, I want to thank uh, Paul Packle uh, for coming on here and just laying a lot of wisdom on us. I also want to thank you for, for making Jacob's pardon. It's such a great whiskey. Paul, where can people find you on the social medias? Uh, best place really is Facebook for me. And um, I'm on there a lot and LinkedIn. So okay. those those are my primary uh, spots right now. You're going to be my third link on LinkedIn, Paul. I'm going to. Ooh, I'm going to fantastic. <laughs> there we go. I'm not on there, but I'm going to find you. Fantastic. And I'm going to have. We're going to have uh, Jacob's pardon up on the website. It's whatwe'redrinking.com. You can go there. You can get some more information about it. Uh, and also follow, we have a new Instagram. I have my Instagram, which is at the imbiber. That's mostly just topless pictures of me. And if you like that, then get on there and do it. Uh, I am wearing pasties. Uh, but, uh, and then there's the new Instagram that we have for the podcast. It took me a while to get around to the idea that the podcast should have its own because, you know, I, I was afraid, you know, you get them, you, you nurture them. They're young. You have them, they're little podcast and you're rocking it and you go, are you ready? Are you ready for your own Instagram? And so now You're it's such got a luddite. It's WWD underscore podcast is our new podcast and uh, Instagram home. And I invite you to go on there and follow us. And then Colin Donnell, Colin Donnell, he's everywhere. He's at Colin Donnell on the Instagram. Where'd you come up with that name? Uh, it happened about thirty eight years ago. Okay, yeah, he's on there, and he's got the new record out with cocktails. What is it again? I should chaos and cocktails. Okay, see, when you were just a guest, I would prep. But now that you're now that you're on the staff, I don't give a shit. That's right. KS and cocktails, and all of the songs are tied into cocktails, and it's great. And we've we've they talked are. about this before, and and it's great. Do it. Get on there. Make Colin a couple of pennies for the holiday season. You know he needs it. Uh, the guy's in God's sakes. The guy is in a padded room right now. He's having a hard time. That's right. Look at him. My my daughter needs stocking stuffers. <laughs> That's right. So and, if only 17 million people listen to my songs, then maybe I can buy her something. That's right. And as always, <laughs> folks, I want to thank you guys for. For joining us and spending time with us. I know you have a lot of options out there in the podcast sphere, and I appreciate you choosing this one. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>